following message is a presentation of Valley Metro Church, a community of believers dedicated to knowing God and making Him known. Great, I want to share a message that I'm uh, calling the longing for belonging or our longing for belonging. And uh, I want to speak to that longing that's in every one of us. And I say that not because I know you personally, but because I know the Scriptures and I know uh, the human soul, because uh, the Scriptures talk about the human soul a lot and what we long for. And we all do long for belonging. And uh, as I've been praying, I've, I've kind of been seeing Valley Metro as a, as a, a symphony in the making, if you will. Um, Think about the, the worship band and how gifted they are. Man, they're really good. They're, each one of them uh, offering their particular talent uh, to make some beautiful music. And I, and I think it's a, a little microcosm of what God wants to do for you as a congregation. Just imagine if each one of us has some kind of special instrument that we're called to play or some kind of special talent that we're called to bring uh, to, to bear upon the community. And that the Holy Spirit would be like a great conductor who calls us uh, out of isolation to play in a group, to play in a, a band, to, to play uh, in a symphony. And uh, it really, the body of Christ, the local church, really is like that. And I want to talk specifically about being a local church uh, here this morning. But it is very much like being called to bring your talents and bring your gifts to bear uh, and doing your part. You know, maybe it's a simple part. And you know that the, the whole is greater than the sum of the parts. When you think about a, an instrument or when you think about some kind of a, a, a musical gift that someone has, it's, it's great when they play it by themselves, but when they bring it together to coordinate with others, my goodness, amazing things happen. Amazing music is created. Amazing songs uh, are, are played and sung. And that music goes out. And truly, the, the, the whole is greater than the sum of the parts. There's a word for this. It's called commonwealth. That, that our, what we have together, our wealth together, is greater than what we have individually. And, and that's part of the heart of what I want to share with you this morning. And I'm going to begin with a passage um, that I'm not going to throw up on the screen yet, but I'm just going to read it to you. It's out of Colossians. And it's uh, Colossians chapter 2. And um, Paul has this amazing thing to say. He says, I want you to know how great a struggle I have for you and for those at Laodicea. So he's struggling for believers in their localities. He has a, he has a, a struggle in his heart. He's praying. The, the struggle is leading him to prayer. There's a kind of spiritual warfare, if you will, that Paul is engaging in on their behalf. And here's the struggle. That, uh, that their hearts may be encouraged. Yeah, that's wonderful in the, in the broad sense. That's the goal. That their hearts may be encouraged. But then he, he gives uh, the, the, the means by which their hearts will be encouraged. Having been knit together in love to reach all the riches of full assurance of understanding and knowledge of God's mystery, which is Christ himself. And so if you read between the lines here and, and dig in a little bit, you see that there are dimensions of the treasures and the riches of Christ himself and of the kingdom of God that we only uh, are able to attain to 
when we allow our hearts to be knit together with other believers. There are certain riches that we, that we have just by being a child of God. But there are dimensions of riches that we only attain when we allow the strings of our hearts to be knit together with other believers. And I see a picture of God like, a, uh, like has these great knitting needles in that, yeah, our hearts belong to us, but our hearts also have these strings associated with them. And those strings are meant for God to take hold of and knit together in the, with the hearts of others. To knit our hearts together with our spouses. To knit our hearts together with our families, our children and our parents. To knit our hearts together, uh, not just in our families, but in an extended family called the family of God. And I wonder today as we begin if maybe you have those heartstrings in mind. Maybe you feel those heartstrings. Maybe you've gotten isolated in the course of your life where you haven't been a, uh, associated well with other believers. Or maybe you've tried and it's been painful. Or maybe it, uh, you allowed your heart to get knit together in uh, unhealthy relationships. But I want to paint a picture this morning of, of a community of people that can become a healthy community. A, a, a healthy community where hearts are, yeah, they're ours, they belong to us, but we voluntarily give the strings of our hearts to God and say, okay, Lord, I'm willing for my heart to be knit together with others. If you will do this knitting, Lord, if you will take these heartstrings, oh, Lord, could you knit something together here? Could you knit something together here at Valley Metro that would uh, create a symphony, that would create music, that the community could hear, speaking metaphorically, that the, the community around could hear that there's some great music being created. There's some great music being played by a company of people called Valley Metro because they've become vulnerable enough to God to allow Him to knit their hearts with others in, inner, in a healthy, interdependent kind of community. That's the heart of the message this morning that I'm going to get to. And to me, it's illustrated here in Colossians 2. There are riches in the kingdom of God that we will only achieve when we allow our hearts to be knit together with other believers by the power and grace of the Holy Spirit. Well, what's beneath this? What's beneath this kind of vulnerability? What's beneath this kind of uh, situation where we, can, where we can attain to this kind of healthy, interdependent local church life. And it begins, of course, with us as individuals. And I want to just quickly mention a few things that, that are subterranean to this coming about in our lives and in our experience and in our church. It begins with us as individuals. And, and, it, and I like to begin with the Great Commission. You're familiar with the Great Commission? Matthew 28 is one of those, is one of those uh, descriptions of the Great Commission. Matthew 28, verse 18. Jesus after his resurrection, appears to his disciples and he says, all authority in heaven and where else? Not just in heaven, but where? On earth is given to me. Do you know that? All authority is given to Jesus Christ already, not just in heaven, but on earth as well. There are a lot of people on earth and a lot of rulers of the earth that haven't figured that out yet. And it's our privilege to proclaim that to them. But Jesus Christ already has all authority in heaven and on earth. And then he says, go therefore. 
I'm sending you. And it's not like he's holding the authority back to himself. He's basically saying, I'm sharing the authority with you. I'm distributing my authority. I'm delegating my authority to you as my followers, as my disciples. And so, go with my authority. I'm sending you. And I think it's very important as we, as we start this talk about being knit together into a healthy interdependent community that we begin with a, an awareness that we've been sent by God. I don't know if you live with that consciousness, but I hope that you will if you haven't. That, that even though maybe you've lived, uh, let's say you've lived here in this area your whole life, but even if you've lived in just one place your whole life, you have been sent by God to where you are. If you are a follower of Jesus Christ, you've been sent. You are a minister and you are a missionary. And it's very important that believers live with a consciousness that, that we have a mission. Uh, to quote the Blues Brothers, right? We're on a mission from God. You guys are on a mission from God, even if you've lived in the same place your whole life. But if you've been born from above, you've been sent from above to where you are. And it begins there. We're sent by God. And He calls us to engage in the discipling process then. Initiate people into my kingdom. I'm sending you. I'm giving you authority. I'm giving you good news to carry. And so lead people to me. Let your light shine and win people. Win their hearts. Convince them. Persuade them of who I am. And initiate them well. That's what he says. Make disciples. And initiate them. Baptize them. And that's the beginning of it. But it doesn't stop with just initiation. He says go on and, and uh, teach others to obey everything that I've commanded. Everything that Jesus Christ has commanded us, we're called to inspire one another to obey those things and to live out those things. Wow. That kind of fills out the Great Commission a little bit, doesn't it? If we're called to disciple one another to obey everything that Christ has said. Well, Christ has said a lot of things. And, and He, he uh, tells us about a way of life that's different than the way that the world teaches us. We have to be re-educated uh, in this new life, this new life in Jesus Christ. And things that Jesus has said apply to every aspect of our lives, not just to your prayer life, not just to uh, your, your life of worship, uh, singing songs, or not just your Bible studies, and, and not even just your local church life, but, but every dimension of life. Jesus has a lot of things to say about every aspect of life. And, and what he wants to do is create a culture in our churches. In this church, he wants to create a culture where people are being inspired and empowered to live out everything that Jesus Christ has said to us, to embody that. Wow, that's, that's, a, that's a big task. I know that's why Brian and Christy are here. They, they, they initiated this church. They planted this church because they're on a mission from God. And their mission from God is to tell people about the good news, to tell them about the king, and to tell them about the kingdom of the king, and to create a culture where people find Christ, and people connect with Christ. And they not only connect with Christ, but they connect with one another. 
And then they create a richness of a culture where people are catching the kingdom. And the kingdom is catching them. And their lives are being transformed progressively. And their hearts are being knit together into becoming a clan, if you will. Uh, a local church body. A body of Christ. That's why they're here. And, and not only are they on a mission from God, but you're on a mission from God too. And you can join in that same mission here at Valley Metro. Be on a mission to, to spread the good news of Christ. You know, this great commission is supposed to go to every part of creation, but that responsibility to reach the whole creation doesn't rest on any one of us. It's given to the whole church. But we are called to play our part. And if we will all play our part, then Christ will be glorified and the Great Commission will be fulfilled. What is your part? What is my part? That's that's what we're called to discern. That's what we're called to try to understand and then to take steps, practical steps, to actually live that out. That's the purpose of the message. This morning is to inspire that, to maybe uh, help uh, give you some keys for how you fit into the symphony of it all. So it begins with the Great Commission. We're sent by God. But then it's very important to understand that, we, that there's something that, that is beneath the Great Commission. To go into all the world and to preach the gospel. There's something beneath that that's very important. And it could be summarized by what's called the Great Commandment. Beneath the Great Commission is the Great Commandment. Are you familiar with it? The Great Commandment, it's in several places. Mark 12, 28 to 31 is one of the places. And I think you'll remember it when I share it. And, and this is uh, Jesus, the, the Prince of Life, telling us about the greatest commandment of all. What's the Great Commandment? If, if God, Jesus, if you could just boil things down for us and make it simple, what would you say to us? If God would boil it down for us, And just make it simple. What is he really after? And Jesus answers the question. Isn't that awesome? He doesn't say, oh, it's too long of a it's too big of a question. It's going to take too long to answer. No, he he gets right to the heart of it and gives an answer. And he says, Here it is, the great commandment of all. It's actually not one of the Ten Commandments. It's it's previous to the Ten Commandments. He says, Here it is. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul and mind and strength. And if you ever forget the order, just think from the inside out. From your heart to your soul to your mind, out to your strength. Love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And then he says very quickly, and the second one is like it. It's married to it. You can't really separate them because the second one flows from the first. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And love your neighbor. As yourself, Jesus answered the question. Beneath the Great Commission is the Great Commandment. We must embody the Great Commandment if we're going to fulfill the Great Commission. That's the point. You know why? Because if we go out to try to win people to Christ and spread the good news, but it's not done in the spirit of the Great Commandment, if it's not done out of love for God and love for people, do you know that the people out there that were sharing the Great Commission to are going to go, that's not real. They're going to they're feel whether it's really out of love or not. Have you ever been approached by people on a religious duty? 
Have, you ever, have they ever knocked on your door? And, and, and it's, it's, it's mechanical and it's non-relational. And, and so often you get the feeling like this is just, they're just trying to get brownie points or something with God. That's not what's going to win people's hearts. People are smarter than that, aren't they? They can tell if we're for real or not. They can tell if we're genuine or not. They can tell if we've really been infected with the love of God or not. So if we go out and try to tell people the good news and say, you know, with a, with a scowl on our face, Jesus loves you. And Jesus loved me and he saved me. I mean, what, what, what kind of vibe are we sending out? They're going to go, yuck. I don't think so. We have to be infected with this holy virus of the love of God. And, and, and to love God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and our neighbor as ourself as, as a byproduct of that. And so beneath the great commission is, is the great commandment becoming real in our lives. But you know what? There's something beneath the great commandment, isn't there? When you think about it. Because when we tell people the good news about Jesus... And they say to us, finally, well, what do I have to do to be right with God? What do I have to do to come into a relationship with, with the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit? Do we tell them, oh, well, just love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and your neighbor as yourself? Is that what we tell them? Is that where we start? No. People have been trying to do that for centuries. Have you ever, did you ever try that in your life? When, just Okay, just love God with everything that you are and everything that you have. I, I tried it for a little while when I was 16 uh, for a couple months. It doesn't work because it's not the place to start. And in 1 John, John the apostle of Jesus, he, he's known as the apostle of love. He had his PhD in love. He told us the essence of love. He said, in this is love, chapter 4, verse 10. In this is love, not that we loved God. And you kind of go, John, what are you saying? Not that we loved God? Not that we obeyed the great commandment? He says, no, in this is love. And he's getting to the root of it. In this is love, not that we loved God. Not that we were able to obey the great commandment. In this is love, not that we loved God, but that what? But that he loved us and gave his son. Ah, that's the fountainhead of love. Now, if you really want to understand what the New Testament teaches about love, then that's the place to start. And the New Testament makes it very clear. There are three dimensions to love, not two. Jesus said to us in Matthew chapter 10, verse 8, Freely you have... Do you remember the passage? Freely you have received, freely give. Right? Freely you have received, freely give. That's his equation. We will not be able to give love to God or to others unless we receive it first ourselves. Right? Does that make sense? And John makes that clear in verse 19 of chapter 4 in 1 John. We love him because he first. Ah, there it is. There's the genius of the apostle of Christ. We love God. 
Yes, we do walk into fulfilling the great commandment and the great commission, but there's a cause for it. That cause is the love that God has for us, right? That's the good news. That's where it starts. We love, yes, we do, but we love because He first loved us. Let's say that together. We love Him because He first loved us. Yes. And he goes on in his book there and he, and he says, in essence, do you know and do you believe the love that God has for you? Can you write it in your journal? Can you take out a journal and say, oh, Father in heaven, I know and believe how much you love me. Or do, does your pencil or your pen hesitate a little bit? Oh, my friends, we need to be thoroughly soaked. We need to be thoroughly saturated in the knowledge that God loves us. This is seminal. This is the fountainhead of love. Not that we loved God. Not that we obeyed the great commandment. Not that we fulfilled the great commission. But that we know that God loves us. And if God loves us, Oh, then walking into the great commandment makes sense. And living out the great commission seems reasonable. This is the order. There's a divine order to love. This happened to me when I was a young man. It happened when I was 18 years old. I ran away from the Lord when I was 16 for a couple of years, and I finally ran out of gas. All right? And he busted me. He arrested me one day. And, and I gave my heart to Jesus Christ, and I've never turned back. I'm 57. Is that right, Terry? Am I 57? I'm 57, and I came to the Lord when I was 18. And, I, and I, when I tell the story, I'll probably cry because I, I just, it's so real to me what happened to me. In my case, it was a very dramatic experience. I, I, I surrendered to Christ. I prayed a prayer. I, I didn't know how to pray, but I said this, I give up, you got me. If you ever need a prayer, that one works. I was 18 years old. I didn't know who I was. I was a pseudo-intellectual hippie jock. (laughs) Totally insecure. Had no clue what my life was about. But I heard about Jesus, and I became convinced that I needed to give my life to Him. It scared me to death because I thought it was going to be boring to be a Christian. I thought it was going to be a life of misery, but you'd go to heaven at the end. That's all I knew. But I just said, Jesus, I give up. You got me. And I had a remarkable encounter with Christ that I don't have time to share with you. But I'll tell you what the outcome of it was. The outcome of it was this, that God was speaking to me by the Holy Spirit and He was telling me about His love for me. And I had, I had compromised my morals and I had compromised in so many ways and I felt the terrible conviction and guilt of it all. And, and God was telling me how much He loved me. And part of me was arguing back with Him and saying, Oh God, How can you love me? Look at what I've been and look at what I've done. And he says, I know all of that, but I love you. Will you receive my love? That was the question. Will you receive this love? Will you receive this free gift? You know you have to freely receive it. If you're going to freely give it, you have to freely receive it. Does that make sense? You might give, you might receive and give, but if there's strings attached, that's not the gospel. Right? 
You have to freely receive it. It's a free gift. And God was giving me this free gift. Through the years as a pastor, I've found many people that have a hard time receiving God's love. And sometimes when I frame it like, do, do, you, un, do you understand that God in heaven, your creator, is commanding you to receive his love? And they kind of go, oh, he is? And I'm like, yeah, he is. In the, in the Middle East, when you give a gift to somebody and that person doesn't receive the gift, it's an offense. And God's kind of Middle Eastern. And he, he, he's a giver. And he knows what he's given. And he knows what it cost him. And he's like serious about this. Maybe you've never thought of it from that angle. Maybe you just think about, oh, I'm not worthy and I don't feel worthy and, and uh, I don't deserve this. Of course we don't. But put that aside. Will you receive the gift? Ah, that's what it's about. Ah, Look, our Creator and our Savior has a gift to give the world, and He has a gift to give us, and will you humble yourself and receive it? Because it does take humility, doesn't it? That's what has to, that's what has to go away is our pride, right? Our pride has to go away. He's saying, oh, you know, I don't deserve this. Oh, I don't feel like I, I haven't earned this. Of course we haven't. But will you receive the gift nonetheless? And so this was happening to me when I was 18 years old. God was speaking to me, Michael, I'm giving you this gift. Will you receive the gift of my love? And I'd go, but God, I don't feel like I, I deserved it. And, and really, this conversation was going on. And he's like, I understand that, but will you receive it? I said, okay, I will. And so it was like, okay, I'll receive it, kind of mildly. Okay, I think you love me. No, that's not good enough. Michael. Will you receive my love for you? I love you. Will you receive it? You, you really want me to receive this? Yes. But God, but God. Sh- shut up. Right? <laughs> Will you receive it? Okay. Oh. God, that's amazing. You love me. Irrespective of who I've been and what I've done. You love me. Yes, I love you. Will you receive my love again? Okay, I will. Oh, God. That's amazing. Can I have some more? <laughs> Absolutely. Receive more of my love. Oh. And, and as an 18-year-old kid, I started to learn how much God loved me. And I'd read the Bible. And the words would jump off the pages. And convince me that God loved me, not because of what I'd done, but because of who he is and what his son had done. And it honored him for me to receive that gift. It blessed him. It brought joy to his heart for me to receive that gift. And I started to get good at receiving it. Oh God, you love me. And when I'd fall down and confess my failure, he'd say, I still love you. It doesn't it's, it's not like it works on the earth. It's different than the rules of the earth. I still love you. Oh God, you do, don't you? Yes. Receive my love. Receive my love. Receive my love. And I learned how to, that rhythm of love. I learned that first movement of love. And you know what happens to the human heart? Something amazing. By the Holy Spirit's power, 
that after you learn to freely receive it for a while, you start to give it back naturally. And there's a second movement of love, and it's a movement back to God. God says, I love you. I'm, I'm 18 years old. I go, yes, Lord, I've heard that. And I receive it. He says, way to go. I go, oh, that's great. And I receive some more. Good, take more. There's always more. God, is it really like this? Are you fooling me? Are you going to do a bait and switch on me? No, I'm not going to change. I love you. Oh God, if it's really like this. Truly, it's really like this. You know what? I love you. I love you back. I love you back. I praise you. I thank you. I honor you. I want to be your friend. I want to walk with you. He says, good. Now you're getting it. And God, I want to love you with everything that I am. Even though I'm not sure what that means altogether. I want to love you back with everything that I am. Good. That's what you're made for. And so I'd give love back to God in my, in my weak way. And he would just respond and give me more of his love. And I'd give love back to him. And he'd give me love. And I'd give more love back to him. And I'd want to spend time thinking about him. And talking to him. And reading his book. And I started to grow. You know when you do exercises, you get muscles. Don't you? Would you be like little children with me this morning and just start like this? It's like little children that start like this with their arms up in the air. Have you ever seen them? The little three-year-olds, that's how they start, right? They run up to their parents. Pick me up. Pick me up. And so on three, we'll receive the first movement. One, two, three, right? But you've got to use sound effects. All right, here we go. One, two, three. Oh, oh, oh. I, can, I can relax. God loves me. Nothing else really matters that much. But God loves me. God loves you. Will you receive it again? On three? It's not really on three, but it's any time. One, two, three. Oh, God loves me. Oh, can I experience that some more, Lord? Absolutely. Receive some more. Oh, oh, right. And take it in again. Oh, God loves me until your spirit knows it, your inner being knows it, God loves me. And then we go, you know what? I love you back. You ready? Second movement? One, two, three. Uh? So here's the sound effects. Uh! And uh? Make sermons memorable when we become like children, right? And so this starts happening to me. I'm receiving God's love, giving it back. Receiving God's love, giving it back. And, and after a little while, I'm like, Lord, I love this. This is awesome. This new life that I'm experiencing and your presence and your nearness, this is awesome. You love me. I love you. It's not like Barney. I, I, you love me. I love you. And the Lord says, Michael, there's more. I'm like, you're kidding me. Like, what more could there be? Michael, there's more. Really, what, what would that be? Well, Michael, I want you 
Are you ready? Sure, Lord. I want you to love other people. Who? Yeah, other, other people. Them? Yeah, them. But God, they're not like you. I, I know, Michael, but you're not quite like me yet either. That's a good point, Lord. I want you to love them. But, but Lord, you told me to love you with everything in my heart, soul, mind, and strength. There's nothing left over for anybody. No, it doesn't work like that. Something miraculous and mysterious happens, Michael. When you let me love you and you love me back, I put my love in your heart for other people. Oh, that's how it works. But it's going to take guts. It's going to take courage to love others. Will you? Will you love? Okay, Lord, I'll just love everybody. How's that? Well... That's okay, but it's a little theoretical. Right? It's a little theoretical. Oh, I just love everybody. And if I love everybody, I can end up kind of loving nobody. I want you to love Brian. Brian? Yes, I want you to love Brian. Oh, okay. Uh, And I, I want you to love Christy. And I want you to love your wife, Terry. And I want you to love your kids. And I... I want you to love those. Take a look to your right and to your left. Yeah, that's who you're supposed to. Oh, oh, okay. But, but Lord, it's just, we could just love somebody somewhere. No, no. We're called to love each other in, in the providence of God. He's arranged our lives. He's, he's brought us together. You're, we're supposed to first love the people around us. Well, the, the universal quickly becomes local. That's my point. The universalness of it, the universality of it, quickly becomes local and practical. John says it this way. Don't, don't love in word and tongue, but love in deed and in truth. And, you know, when you love your neighbors yourself, the, remember the, the, the Pharisee came up to Jesus and said, who's my neighbor? And Jesus gave him the answer. He said, it's the people that God providentially brings in, into your life the people that God brings your way. That's who your neighbor is. And so, yeah, I got kind of carried away there. I hope you don't mind. Mm. I'm here today to encourage you. I'm here to hopefully give you some inspiration and some challenge that you will let those heartstrings that are out there, that maybe aren't knit together, they're just kind of blowing in the wind, that you might say to the Lord, Lord, would you take those heartstrings and knit them together with the folks that, some of the folks that are in this room? I'm willing for that. I'm willing for that. I don't have time to turn to the passage. But 1 Corinthians chapter 12 talks about this. It talks about this symphony. It talks about this body. And it's talking about a local church body. And basically, Paul says this. 
We have to get past our inferiority that creates codependency. Our inferiority creates codependency. Oh, because I, I'm not like that person, then I'm not really meaningful. And our insecurity leads us into codependent kinds of behavior and codependent relationships. So just remember that. Read 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and you'll see it there. That there's an inferiority complex that some of the members have that are comparing themselves to other members and they're saying, because I'm not like that, I'm just nothing. And that leads to codependency. And Paul says if it's like that, there's no body. It's like if everybody were an eye, where would the body be? It'd just be a monster. It's like a horror movie. The eye of Christ. No, it's not like that. We are a body, and we are individually members. And then the other problem is the superiority attitude. Oh, because I am this, I don't need that member. No, no, no. That superiority complex. There's an inferiority complex that leads to codependency. There's a superiority complex that leads to, to independence. And the Holy Spirit, throughout Scripture, throughout the New Testament, understands this, and he, and he instructs us in ways of life and in ways of relating, styles of relating, where we break out of codependency and we break out of independence. It's not codependence, it's not independence. What is it? It's interdependence. Healthy interdependence. This is the vision of the, of the church in the Bible. This is the vision of what Valley Metro can be it can be an interdependent, healthy, vibrant symphony for Christ here in this area. When we talk about being the church, we're not talking about a social club. We're talking about a mysterious, marvelous organism in, the, in, the, in heaven and earth that has the power to uh, instruct principalities and powers in the wisdom of God, as well as people on the earth. If you have received that love of God, if you've begun loving God back, if you've received that love freely, and you freely give it back to God, now, my friends, allow the Lord to uh, challenge your heart and to inspire you to start to love one another. I'll tell you, we need to love our neighbor, but we need to love one another in the body as well. What will happen is if we love one another well in our local churches, it will stir people up who don't know the Lord to faith. It will stir them up to faith. They'll say, how do I get in on a family like that? How do I become a part of a family like that? Because that's what we are. We're a family. We're born into a family. And we need one another. And I wonder today, if there are people in the room, maybe you've never come to faith in Jesus. Maybe that part of the sermon, maybe I went there just because... It was for you to receive that love of God into your life. I hope so. I hope there maybe is someone here that hasn't known the Lord and, and, and today you're hearing about how much He loves you and He does. And you know, it's so simple to connect with Him. It's so simple. Just believe in your heart that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and say, Jesus, I don't understand everything about you. That's for sure, but I give my life to you and I believe who you are. That's how it starts. I pray that for you today. If you don't 
haven't come to faith yet, I pray you'll get that gift of faith today. I pray you'll receive that gift from your Creator and your Savior. And for others of us who know the Lord, what are we going to do about this here at Valley Metro? What, what are we going to do? Are, you going to, are, are we going to love one another deeply, not just superficially? Are you, going to ask, are you going to allow the Lord to knit your heart with some other people? I have a sense that many of us have tried in, in the past to do this and it's ended in frustration, but you know what? We've got to get that resolved so that we can have a new beginning. I pray that for you today. Will you stand with me? This has been a presentation of Valley Metro Church. To hear more messages or to support future podcasts, please visit valleymetrochurch.com.